The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are talking about the Packer blame game. Lots going on. A lot is happening. We need to break it all down. We're also going to do Packer Bill storylines. It is Buffalo week, whether you like it or not. Then we'll talk about the absurdity of the Milwaukee Bucks schedule. And lastly, we will bid adieu to a place I never visited, Judges. Uh, it is a Milwaukee establishment, so I try to come up with my version of judges because I think we all have one. Um, so I'll talk about that. Mostly, it's my experience seeing it every day. I lived right by it for, gosh, four years. So we'll, we'll get into that um, at the end of today's show. But before we get going, just a reminder, follow us along on social media, tap in the keg on Twitter, tap in the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. Uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. We got a great review on Friday. Shout out to that person who left us that one. Hopefully we see more of those coming in. I'd really appreciate it. He or she mentioned what, listening with their morning Java, which made me think, God damn it, I need to make sure that these get out in the morning. I try my best. Sometimes, though, we are not the Energizer Bunny. Um, again, I don't do this for a living. Uh, if I did get paid uh, a handsome amount of money, you bet your ass that your boy would be brewing coffee and staying up till the wee hours of the night, making sure that it gets done. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's play some blame game and spin that blame game wheel. So I could quote Kanye West. We could put the Kanye West song, but Kanye West is persona non grata. We are not talking about Kanye West, so we won't refer to his very good song called The Blame Game from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Rather, we will talk about just it in a game show form because I feel like everybody has their knives out. Everybody wants to blame somebody else. There is a section of fans that want to blame Aaron Rodgers. That section of fans has grown to astronomical levels in the last few weeks. You also have a section of fans who want to blame Matt LaFleur. There's another section of fans that want to blame Brian Gunacoust and in turn blame the guys that are currently out there and how the roster is constructed. I think Joe Barry has a small amount of blame too, but I don't think Joe Barry's blame is at the level of the first three guys. So what we're going to do is run through all three. We're going to try to assess blame here and try to discuss where it really should fit and where we should be channeling our negative energy. Aaron Rodgers, he is a lightning rod. We all know that Aaron Rodgers is a guy that everybody has an opinion on. Nobody is like, hey, I think I'm indifferent on Aaron Rodgers, right? We did the keg jams yesterday, which if you haven't gone listen, make sure you're checking that out, where I talked about Taylor Swift, and I didn't have an opinion on Taylor Swift. I didn't say that Taylor Swift was great, but I also didn't say she was trash. I just said she's fine. I like some of her music. Um, if it's on in the car, I'm not turning it off, whatever. That's how I feel about Taylor Swift. No one thinks that way about Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers has amplified it. He's put fuel on that fire when he made the comments that he did about COVID, when he talked about wanting to retire, the last dance, everything else in the last couple of years. Really, since Jordan Love has been drafted, things have turned for Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of people right now are piling up against him and believe that Aaron Rodgers is never going to be back as the quarterback he once was. First of all, it is seven weeks. We've seen bad starts to Packer seasons, and the Packers have turned it around and made it happen. Aaron Rodgers, remember, in last year, while he did win MVP, 
there was not necessarily this feeling that Rodgers was going to be the MVP until he was kind of the last man standing. It was like a Royal Rumble of quarterbacks and no quarterback could seem to sustain what Rodgers did throughout the year. And that's kind of what won him the award. Coincidentally enough, the Packers went into Arizona. They had absolutely no one, including without Devontae Adams. Everybody had COVID on their team. It was a short week. The Packers found a way to win that game. And all of a sudden, that started to change the conversation about Aaron Rodgers as a a back-to-back MVP winner. And then he took care of business. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen against Buffalo. But rather, I think that there is a lot of things going on here. I think, number one, the Geno Smith-Seattle thing is fucking with people's heads. It just is. And it fucked my head. I talked about on podcast two weeks ago now um, where I basically was like, I wonder what this team would look like with Jordan Love running the offense. People are seeing what Geno Smith's doing with Seattle. And in their brains, they believe that the Packers could have the same amount of success that Seattle is having right now. Forgetting the fact that they have a dynamic rookie running back in Kenneth Walker, that Tyreek Woolen is a steal, Kobe Bryant on the other side. They killed their draft, and the draft for the Packers was nowhere near what the Seattle Seahawks did. Granted, the Seattle Seahawks drafted earlier, um, so that context is very important, but that's here nor there for the time. We're talking about Rodgers, and we're talking about why I think that that's why people have somewhat of a clouded perception of him. I think also people are sick and tired of his shit, even though this is exactly what Aaron Rodgers has been for the last five to seven years. He's been this brash, arrogant guy who's not afraid to say what's on his mind. It pisses people off, especially when it's moments like these where times are tough and people want Aaron Rodgers to give the Tim Tebow speech to be like, you'll never see a man work as hard as me and all that rah-rah bullshit. But at the end of the day, that's not just what Aaron Rodgers is. I'm sorry. Like, I, I hate to be that guy. I hate to be blunt about it but yeah Aaron Rodgers is not going to just inspire and give a soliloquy on why the Green Bay Packers are going to turn it all around even when Aaron Rodgers said run the table it was a simple quote when he did the relax and and that was almost an annoyance right he was annoyed at the fans that he was like R-E-L-A-X spells relax. We all remember the quote. It would, They were one and two. Uh, we remember him doing the shush motion uh, to the fans and to the critics after beating Houston 42 to 21. Aaron Rodgers has never done something where it's motivational. It is always the chip on his shoulder. Now, some could argue that this moment in time is probably maybe one of the best things that's happened to Aaron Rodgers because all of a sudden that chip is back. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and want to show all of these motherfuckers wrong. Everybody online that is burying him, that is pulling the film tapes, that is critical of every read Rodgers is making. And I have my challenges with film. Um, I've talked about it in the past that I feel like... You, even though you see something on film, even though you are like, well, if he just waited, he did that, like that's a touchdown. Or if Rodgers did this, like that's going to be a huge play for the team. And it's like, you just do not know reads. You just don't know progressions. Like 
I would love to see one of these guys sit down with Aaron Rodgers or Tom Clements or Matt LaFleur and have them explain to them like, hey, look, this is why it happened. And and usually, and there will be an explanation. I shouldn't say usually, there will be an explanation for it. Like Rodgers, there's a clip about Sammy Watkins. If Sammy Watkins, you know, Rodgers waits one more minute on the fourth and two, Sammy Watkins has a walk-in touchdown when the play that Rodgers missed for Romeo Dobbs. That is true. But again, in the moment, things like that, Roger, the first read was Dobbs and Dobbs was open. And Dobbs dropped the ball. That was not Aaron Rodgers' fault. Like, there were plays that were Aaron Rodgers' fault, but Romeo Dobbs dropped that fucking ball. And we have to hold those guys accountable too. And people are mad at Rodgers because Rodgers says, I had, I had my best grade of game. I agree, that was not the best look. That was not something Rodgers should have done. Rodgers should have backed away. Rodgers should not have said that. I, I don't think that was appropriate by him after being critical of everybody else and saying, you know, there are mental errors on this team. We're making way too many of them. He's absolutely right, too. Like, if you watch a Packer game, like I recommend watching one of those games back, you will see mental errors all over that fucking field. They do not pay attention to details. And Aaron Rodgers is spot on. Now, is some of that on Aaron Rodgers a little bit? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers needs to be better. Like, I'm not absolving Aaron Rodgers completely. Rather, I'm just pointing out different things and pointing out who Aaron Rodgers is. So we go back to the open about blaming. Aaron Rodgers does deserve some of the blame. Aaron Rodgers probably influenced a little bit of Devontae's decision-making. But granted, I think Devontae got tampered with from all I've heard from people. Uh, Devontae's wife did not like Green Bay. She didn't want to be here. Um, she wanted to be back out, out in the West Coast. Devontae's family never visited him in Green Bay, which is bizarre in its own right. Um, so there was a lot of things that were pulling him towards Vegas and then Aaron Rodgers basically threatening retirement kind of pushed Devontae into that direction, but I don't think it was the main qualifier. So I don't think you can exactly blame Rodgers for that. I think you can blame Rodgers for not showing up to OTAs. Um, that was a colossal mistake for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers could have spent copious amounts of time with Romeo Dobbs, with Christian Watson, I realize he's hurt, and other guys on the team and start familiarizing himself with him. And Rodgers felt like he would roll out of bed and play fucking football. That has not been the case. That has not been the case. He thought he could make Alan Lazard a wide receiver one. Alan Lazard's a nice player. He's not a wide receiver one, okay? He's a good wide receiver too. He's never going to be a wide receiver one. I can take the L on that. I was... Gung-ho on Alan Lazar being wide receiver one, that is incorrect. Rodgers deserves some of that blame, okay? I think maybe he thought David Bakhtiari would be back, and maybe that was part of what influenced him not showing up to OTAs. But I kept waiting for that story that Rodgers was taking Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and, and all the Packers players, you know, at his lake there is a oceanfront property in Malibu and they're working on stuff. Similarly, what we've seen from Tom Brady in the past, Rogers did none of that. He went down to Peru and got high on ayahuasca and puked his brains out. That part, I blame Aaron Rodgers for. That part, I can say, hey, here's your blame, part of your blame pizza. It is what you did, didn't do to prepare yourself for the season. Yes, you can roll out of bed and be an awesome fucking athlete. 
But these guys need to work with you. These guys need the chemistry. We didn't touch on the preseason, and that's another part of this. I truly believe the Packers would be much better off right now if Rodgers did at least one or two of those things. If Rodgers was at OTAs but didn't do preseason or or vice versa. Rodgers didn't show up to OTAs, but he did preseason. I think we're talking about a different thing. I really do. I think the chemistry would have developed because there were just more reps available. So Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting that free pass from the coaching staff probably wasn't the best idea. And I would imagine that things will change because of this season. And even as the Packers turn around, there's no way they can start this slow again. The blame game shifts over to Matt LaFleur. There's a lot of frustration with Matt LaFleur, which is really funny. Matt LaFleur has been so successful the last three years. But I there are some corners of the internet that might think Matt LaFleur should be coaching for his job which is absolutely absurd because if Matt LaFleur did get fired, he would get a job in a second. Like it would not even be funny. Now, maybe he would get exposed and, and those people would be right. But I think it's it's a ridiculous thought. Um, and with LaFleur, he does deserve some of the blame though. I think LaFleur has let Rogers sort of become, I wouldn't say a bully, but he's let Rogers sort of dictate what they're doing. And LaFleur and him don't seem to be on the same page. It seems like there are three different pages. It's the LaFleur page, it's the Rogers page, and it's the Gunacoust page. And we're going to touch on Brian Gunacoust in a second here. But LaFleur doesn't do enough to sort of rein Aaron Rodgers in. And whether Aaron Rodgers played nice for the first couple of years and then said, all right, Matt, I got your system. Here are things I like, here are the things I don't like, and here we go. I don't know. I have no idea. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers, you know, has sort of defied LaFleur and LaFleur's done nothing to do about it. I also feel like LaFleur, being a guy that's taking basically bullets for everybody, whether it's Rodgers, whether it's Joe Barry, whether it's other guys on the team, is not helpful. I, I realize I think I said it a couple of weeks ago that it was, and I'm pivoting off that because I think Matt LaFleur needs to be more honest. I think he needs to show you know that it, there are unacceptable jobs on this field. If Matt LaFleur said what Aaron Rodgers said today, everybody would be sucking his dick. Now granted, he's the coach, it's a little bit different, but the fact is that's true. If Aaron Rodgers, if LaFleur, excuse me, said that, people would be giving him praise. And it, did Aaron Rodgers say this because there is a little bit of a lack of strong leadership from Matt LaFleur. I get no impression that people don't like Matt LaFleur, but it's clear that Rodgers ran over him a little bit this year. And so how do they fix that? It, will Matt LaFleur be able to rein that in from Aaron Rodgers? I don't, I don't know. I think that's really hard. And I think that we've seen why Rodgers sometimes struggles in when it comes to long-term relationships. So yes, LaFleur does deserve some of the blame. And yeah, it is partially Aaron Rodgers, so we can add a little more, he has uh, another slice of blame pizza for Aaron Rodgers because I, it's loosely related. Now we go to Brian Gunacoust. Brian Gunacoust set up a roster to be defensive first and run the football. Packers are doing neither of that. Brian Gunacoust decided to spend his first round capital on Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, 
and then traded up with the Minnesota Vikings to get Christian Watson. Quay Walker's been the only one that's kind of produced. Wyatt had an awesome hit on Sunday, but that's been the first Devontae Wyatt moment we've seen all year. Quick Christian Watson can't get on the fucking field because he has the worst hamstrings in all of America. Brian Gunacoust has not done as well as I think we previously believed in the NFL drafts. The more I've thought about this, the more that I've sort of let this play around in my head, it's really on Brian Gunacoust. Brian Gunacoust did not put together an offensive roster that was ready to win. They spend the least amount of money on wide receivers. Did you know that? Four million. I don't care about the cap. The cap is fake. I don't want to hear it. But the Green Bay Packers trusted their system a little bit too much. And they relied on their system a little bit too much. So LaFleur, I think, could also get this because I'm sure it was conversations that Brian and Matt had. They didn't get a safety in the last couple of years. They believed that Darnell Savage was the answer here. That that Darnell Savage was a, a premier player, which I don't know how they saw that in the last couple of years. And you have guys like Javon Holland, who's a captain in like fucking year two or year three. You have Jaquan Brister, who while he was a hard hitting guy at Penn State and got himself some targeting penalties and you know could get himself into trouble, he could fucking ball. And Penn State's secondary has been good for seems like the last three or four years. He went to the, the hated Bears. So I look at this and I, I, I think Brian Gunacus built a shit roster. And it's kind of up to him to fix it. And I know people are like, well, one receiver might not fix everything. Well, you know what one receiver might do? Might make Aaron Rodgers feel a little bit better. Might make the offense feel a little bit better. It might, you know, make everyone in Packer Nation feel a little bit better. Is it going to turn around the season? Maybe. I mean, that's the risk of trades. You are basically banking on that your season is going to get better. Look at the Chicago Bulls and the Orlando Magic. I realize it is a cross-sport comparison, but follow with me. The Bulls traded for Nikola Vucevic. They gave up Wendell Carter. They gave up their first-round pick. The Bulls were hovering around a playoff spot. They didn't make the playoffs. So they had to give Orlando their lottery pick. I don't think that became Franz Wagner, but it might have. I'm going to have to fact-check that. And Mitch might know. I might ask him tomorrow. But anyways, that was a major gamble, and they fucking lost because of a bad trade. I'm not advocating for the Packers to trade their first-round pick. But if there is a guy available with a second-round pick qualifier, you go out and fucking get him. If it's Bradley Chubb, I don't really care that you have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Just be the meanest fucking front seven as possible. There's never enough pass rushers. Deron Payne, I guess, is out of the block too. Go get him. doesn't matter. Brian Gutekunst needs to retool this roster. And he needs to give up draft capital. And he cannot be stubborn this trade deadline. He at least has to put something on the board. And if that's just getting Elijah Moore, which would be infuriating, all right, we, we at least have to, I wouldn't say give him flowers. We did. We at least have, which I, I hate that phrase. And I don't know why I, I bring it up every now and again, but um, you at least have to acknowledge it. Maybe a tip of that cap instead of a full on, you know, oh my God, Brian's fixed this team. 
I just know that right now, the way the Packers are constructed was because of Brian Gunacoust. He built that team. He traded Devontae Adams. His return has not turned out to be that great to start this rookie season. And when you see all these corners dominating, you know, in, in the rookie process, why the fuck did we pay Rasul Douglas? I like Rasul Douglas, don't get me wrong, but could we have just found Rasul's replacement, you know, lurking around in the draft? I think we could have. So why does this stuff keep missing for Brian Gunacoust? That's kind of my question. And that's why I ultimately look at this from a blame perspective and I put it on him. He got this roster together. He was the one who decided to go Watson over Pickens, which again, I don't, I'm sorry, I think I said this before, but like I do not have a problem with it in theory because George Pickens had a lot of red flags, had a lot of character issues, he had a brutal knee injury, and the Steelers took him anyways because the Steelers believe in their culture. Brian Gunacus obviously didn't and passed on Pickens for Christian Watson. Now, granted, more context needed. Christian Watson was always a first-round pick. He fell out of the first round. George Pickens was never a first-round pick because of all the red flags that we just listed. So I need that to be reminded to everybody. Like I think everybody just should keep that in the back of their head. But it is pretty clear to me that Brian Gunacoust fucked this up. And we are now paying for it. I do not know how exactly it get, it get fixed, but I do believe that the Packers can do it. Let's move on to Packer Bills storylines. Um, we do this every Wednesday and we have a lot of them. There's a lot going on. Uh, we'll start with the pressure on Aaron Rodgers. So what we just talked about in the open about the blame game, about people all over Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be watched with a microscope in this game from the Packer Twitter, Packer Film Boy world. They are going to keep a watchful eye on what Aaron Rodgers does throughout this whole game. Now, if Aaron Rodgers goes in and lights it up, it means he has seen every one of your tweets. Aaron Rodgers plays the best with a chip on his shoulder, and he knows nobody thinks they're going to beat Buffalo. No one believes in the Green Bay Packers. I truly believe that that will fuel Aaron Rodgers' fire. And even if the Packers go down fighting, let's say they lose 30 to 27 or something dumb like that, the Packers still might have an iconic Aaron Rodgers performance that silences a lot of the haters. And the blame can go into other directions. We didn't talk about Joe Barry in that, that segment, but maybe it goes to him. Speaking of which, the Packer, oh, actually, no. We're going to get to Barry's defense later, but let's also talk about the Packers' offense in general against this vaunted Buffalo defense. First of all, the offensive line. If you don't have David Bakhtiari, that's going to be a big loss because Buffalo likes to get after a quarterback. Even though they don't blitz, they rush four, they are some motherfuckers. They will get in your face. A.J. Espinosa, uh, another guy loved back, back in college, uh, Von Miller, Gregory Rousseau, you're going to have guys that are in Aaron Rodgers' grill all game long. So they, they need to make sure that the protection is there. They need to make sure that whether it's David Bakhtiari out there 
or it's Zach Tom that they're able to manage. Hopefully it's Bakhtiari. I think that will open up a lot of things. You'll have Elton Jenkins on that side. I think they will roll with the exact same offensive line. I know Josh Neiman got a couple holding calls. I think that comes with the territory. I know that this is going to be more of a trial by fire, but the fact that they at least got one game under his belt against a pretty good Washington front, I think that will help Josh Neiman a hell of a lot. I do think the Packers can take advantage of the Buffalo secondary. It's not that great, right? It's a lot of no-namers. Tredavis White still banged up. Micah Hyde out for the season. Jordan Poyer's playing a great great season, right? Um, don't, by the way, mention Jordan Poyer has an Instagram wife to your significant other on the, during the game because, yeah, that'll get you into a load of trouble. But if you're unfamiliar with it, yes, Jordan Poyer's wife is quite attractive. Uh, if you want to look that up, probably not do it at work, though. Um, just just food for thought. Uh, but that's here nor there. Anyways, yes, the Packers can potentially pass on this Bills team. I, I, I do believe that. I know that sounds crazy, right? But I, I think that they might have better success passing the football than they will running it. I know that is sacrilegious with how good Aaron Jones is. I would still want Aaron Jones to get a ton of touches. I'm not saying... Do not feed Aaron Jones. Rather, what I'm saying is I think you can do a lot with a short pass game and get Aaron Jones involved. You can throw Aaron Jones into like angle routes, right? I don't understand why the Packers do not run Texas routes at least like once a quarter. Like that, I I definitely would. Just have Aaron Jones sit down middle of the field and then let him make some magic happen or the screen screenplay. I swear to God, we have not had any screens this season, it seems like. Let's get Aaron Jones out on some screens, can we? Um, that would be much appreciated. So I do think that Green Bay's can hold up against this Buffalo defense. I don't know. You know, they've seen Mahomes already, so they've seen quarterbacks. I shouldn't say so. They don't know. They have seen quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, so a guy like Aaron Rodgers is nothing new to them. They're not going to be afraid of Aaron Rodgers by any any sake to the imagination. But if Rodgers gets going, it can overwhelm teams. And so if Aaron Rodgers takes that chip and uses it against Buffalo, who knows what could happen. The big one that looms is the Packer defense against the Buffalo offense. I mean, that one is very scary. That one against Josh Allen is terrifying. Josh Allen is the best player, in my opinion, in football. I know everyone would say Patrick Mahomes. I think Josh Allen's combination of speed and skill, his arm throwing ability, he has all the tools. I love watching Josh Allen play. This will, It's such a bummer that the Packers have to play the Buffalo Bills. Because I, I like Josh Allen's must see TV for me. Like anytime the Bills are on, like I'm watching Josh Allen because I am that fond of him. And I, I just really like him as a football player. And, and I do think he's going to do some mean things to Joe Barry's defense. I think they're going to need to fool him a little bit. I think they're going to need to see if they can make Josh Allen do some of the crazy things that Josh Allen is known to do. Uh, the part of my take boys mentioned it's like he pushes all the buttons on a PlayStation or an Xbox you know, one or two times a game. That needs to happen. And when it does, the Packers need to take advantage. I wonder if they will try to throw some wrinkles that they haven't done for any other quarterbacks, right? Is there a secret playbook almost against Josh Allen that they haven't used? Josh Allen is clearly the best quarterback that the Green Bay Packers have faced this season. Green Bay has not really faced 
a murderer's row of quarterbacks and Josh Allen is the guy that's finally where it could get ugly for them. And if it does, I do think Joe Barry will be fired. So I will plant my flag there. If the, if the Bills win like 38 to 14 uh, and Josh Allen is dominant throughout, I think jo- Joe Barry does not have a job Monday morning. Um, if they, they hold up, I don't think Joe Barry is going to get fired. I think if it's close or if the Packers win, I think Joe Barry has a job for the rest of the season. So we can all go ahead with the fire Joe Barry hashtags and get rid of him because they're not going to help um, if he's able to pull off a stunner against that Buffalo team. The Savon Diggs-Jair Alexander matchup is going to be a good one. Um, I We talked about Jair on Monday show that while the Taylor Heineke pass was fine, the one of with the one that had the game left you a little cold. Like you felt like Jair should have made that play. He has familiarity with Diggs in his time in Minnesota, so I, I do hope that that some of that will stick. And Gabe Davis is a true X factor. Um, I I think with Rasul Douglas, that's where it helps out. Um, I wonder if you're going to have more Rasul Douglas and less Eric Stokes. It's been a really rough second year for Eric Stokes. So I do wonder if Rasul Douglas becomes that guy versus Eric Stokes. That would be a a change I would welcome. I also have thought the the safeties have been a little bit better for Green Bay. And I loved what the linebackers did last week. So if they can keep that up, uh, also too, you got to tackle Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen doesn't go down. um, So Quay Walker comes in hot on Allen. Hopefully he's bringing him down. I mean, that is power on power, though. Quay, Quay Walker and Josh Allen going right at each other is like two battering ramps. I, I, again, there is parts of this game that could be awesome. And I know we're all dreading it, but I think there could be some fun elements to it. And I hope I'm doing a good job of selling it. NBC should pay me. Uh, also, storyline, shock the world, man. Shannon mentioned it. Uh, yesterday when we did uh, keg jams, but like the Packers are playing with house money. Like there is zero pressure on the Green Bay Packers. Nobody thinks the Green Bay Packers are going to win that football game. We saw it with the Bears last night, right? Nobody thought the Bears were going to win that game. Everybody was on the Patriots. Everybody was hammering New England minus eight. And Chicago went in there and stole their lunch money. And you have Patriots fans like Bill Simmons saying it was one of the worst Patriot losses in the Belichick era. Why can't that be the Packers? Why can't the Packers go out and just stun the world and just completely change the narrative on their head? It's a week-to-week league in the NFL. None of us thought the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I realize they're bad, because they're in a same similar, similar situation as the Green Bay Packers. In a lot of ways, actually. Um, not only losing the Steelers, then losing the Carolina, which were shocking losses in its own right, but they also play Baltimore on Thursday, and everybody is going to be picking Baltimore. Everybody will be on the Baltimore bandwagon. And I, I, it's hard not to disagree, right? It's going to be really difficult to look at that game and not take Baltimore. I haven't looked at the spread uh, recently, but I would imagine Baltimore is going to be favored. So you have Tom Brady as a home dog. Do you actually take the cheese? That'll be one, one to ponder about. So it... All that to say, it, you never know, man. You just do not know. Things can get weird. Things can get wacky. Like what's, what, yeah, I'm just hypothetical, playing it out. Packers go down. They script 
Great first script, 7-0 Green Bay. And then Josh Allen throws a dumb interception, and it's taken back into the red zone. Packers score with Aaron Jones a couple plays later. All of a sudden, it's 14-0. Everybody's going crazy on Twitter. Everyone's losing their shit. Um, It's possible, right? It's also possible that the opposite happens. Buffalo has a great script. Packers turn the ball over. They're down 14-0 before you know it. They abandon the run, and there you have it. But while the second part feels more possible, you never know with that first first story, that first hypothetical. You never know. So I would say do not give up. Do not, do not have no faith in this Packer team. I will caution and say, you know, uh, you, you can at least be a little hesitant and say, all right, best you know, I remember the Arizona game, man. I, I went into that with zero expectations. I thought the spread got too high. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll take the Packers because I didn't trust that Arizona team. But I, I remember going into it saying, all right, this is, you know, it's house money football game. None of our players are playing. Arizona's undefeated. They've been rolling. And then Russell Douglas has the pick. And the rest is history. And you could probably point that out as where it all kind of fell apart for Arizona and they haven't really been able to put it, put it back together, weirdly enough. So yes, I am all in on shock the world mentality. I'm all in the world on it could happen. I'm going to tell you I believe in the Packers. I don't think I'm going to tell you to bet. Well, I don't know about that. Stay tuned down the bet. But yes, I, I feel good. I at least feel like they can do it. And it's just because it's football. NFL has been as weird of a product as we've seen in a long time. Lastly, uh, just last thing, speaking of that house money, um, just have fun. Also should be mentioned, Buffalo, not as good at home as you might think. If you go to 2021 and 2019, excluding COVID. Now, it is a convenient thing to exclude COVID because they were 7-1 and one, uh, in 2020. But 2021, they were 5-3 and three at home. 2019, they were 4-4. Four and four. They're a beatable team at home. 9-7 and seven is not a fortress. It's not something that just they don't lose. Uh, it's not the Superdome at night, right? So just a little food for thought. But yeah, let's have fun. Let's have fun out here. That's, I think, what will be the best thing is if we just see everybody having a great time uh, playing Packer football. All right, we're running low on time, so I'm going to kind of power through the Bucks schedule and then talk about my own version of Judges, a.k.a. the Broadhouse. Uh First of all, uh, with the Bucks schedule, man, uh, the NBA should be embarrassed. I understand you want to get the Bucks on national TV. I, I, I totally get it. There's no reason why the Bucks couldn't be the TNT game tonight against Brooklyn. And I realize that would have been back-to-back for Brooklyn. I, I, I get all that. But the fact of the matter that the Bucks have played two games so far when teams are into their fifth game is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And now you're going to have the Bucks starting Friday night they're going to play six games in the next nine days. How is that fair? How, what, what are we doing here? Like, how did how did they miss this? They just forget. And they're like, oh, wow, we got backfill. We're already too far. We're already, I, like, I don't know how they, they messed this up. But it's really unfair to the Milwaukee Bucks. And even if the Bucks start 3-0 tonight, they then have to go through a gauntlet of a schedule for the next two weeks, essentially. That doesn't seem right to me. So it's a really tough look for the NBA because they're trying to pimp out their product 
while also you know sacrificing players' health. It's kind of scummy when you think about it that way. Like what Golden State's now played three, four games. Uh, Phoenix, I think, said four games. How are the Bucks only at two? The league really made a mistake, and I, I think. In a weird way, I don't think it was in like I'm frustrated and I, I don't think it was intentional. I truly believe they made a mistake. Because there's no way that this should have happened. And I I wonder if someone will ask Adam Silver. I hope they do, actually, because it just seems like a competitive imbalance. And we'll see what the Bucks look like on, on Wednesday. It kind of almost could look like a first game back sort of feel. I don't know if I'm touching the spread. I think it's minus four right now for the Bucks. Uh, I guess a couple of thoughts. Number one, I know Brooklyn is going to want to sort of bring the bring the noise. They're going to want to send a statement. They're going to want to make everybody know what they're all about. But remember, this team just lost to Memphis on Monday. Um, and I, I just, I wonder a little bit about Durant. I, I talked about it yesterday, but like, how do you stop Durant with what we have right now? Um, that's a little bit of a nightmare. Uh, but yes, we will, a special announcement, I should have added this at the beginning, but we'll do it now. Uh, we are doing a post-game pod. So Mitch and I will get on the pod after the game. I'll do the review, and then we will have the podcast for you guys. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I think we're going to dive into something if the Bucks win, and we have something if the Bucks lose. So that's that's really exciting, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think, I think it's going to be a great time. And so that's something a little new that we haven't done in a while. But we tape Wednesday nights. And guess who plays on a lot of Wednesday nights? The Milwaukee Bucks. So we're, we're working through that. And that's not ideal. But, yeah, it's a it's a bizarre schedule. Um, so, yes, excited to see Kyrie complain about Drew's defense. I hope that the Nets fans think that Giannis is dirty again with Drew. Um, maybe Giannis can dunk on Ben Simmons. Uh, let's see what happens with like Grayson Allen or Javon Carter. Uh, Javon Carter, I don't think he was a former Brooklyn Nat. Uh, maybe I can't remember. But yes, it should be it should be a good time and excited for that one. All right, the last thing as we wrap up here, judges get shut down today. Um, well, it's been shut down forever. It's been shut down for twelve years. It was a college bar for those unfamiliar. It was not in Milwaukee. It's a college bar. It was establishment for underage drinking it was an absolute shit show from all intents and purposes i never visited so i don't necessarily have the sympathy that others do at this point because they feel like part of their childhood was ripped out in a sense right maybe maybe young adulthood is better than childhood i don't think they had like 16 year olds doing tequila shots in there but maybe i want to put past judges from from all i've heard from their reputation but my version of it, which is also shut down, is the Brat House in Eau Claire. And I love that place. Uh, I, originally, I didn't. Uh, but as I got older, uh, it became kind of a place to go. I think we all we all had Brat 30. Um, and Brat 30 was a good time. And what Brat 30 was, was the final 30 minutes of the night out, I believe. Some of my fact checked me there. But I'm pretty sure it's the last 30 minutes and it was always a good time. Uh, it smelled like a basement. It w- looked like a basement. It, it was, the lighting was bizarre. They had a great dance floor. No John Taffer. I think they did have a John Taffer butt funnel, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but they, they had an awesome dance floor. A lot of good times there. The music they would play was pretty much 
anything, right? It was like top 40. It was, you know, old school stuff. It was, it was a great blend of, of everything that you could want. They also had Boone's Farm for sale for $7 right out of the bottle. And you could drink it. Actually, was it 7 or was it 11 I, th- I can't remember. But it was inexpensive to drink a whole bottle of bum wine. And you got it in a, you, you didn't necessarily get it even in a glass. You didn't get it in a pitcher or anything. You just got the glass bottle and you got to carry that around. Now, would you would every night be a Boone's Farm night? No. Uh, I, I might have to, for the sake of the podcast, find a picture of me and a buddy holding up Boone's Farm uh, bottles uh, because it's just too good not to share. And you wouldn't find that today. I don't think you'd find that five years ago even. Uh, where you could just be drinking Boone's Farm out of there. I'm trying to think of my best brat house moment. I don't know, man. I mean, we had to, we had such a good rotation, though, by the end. Like, we'd go to the GI. We'd have a delusional. It'd be a lot of fun. Go to the pickle, scope it out, see what's there, grab a few drinks, and then head over to the brat house to finish it off. One, I, the, There's, like, a couple I remember distinctively down the stretch. One... Uh, was a buddy who was nearly nearly put himself in a bad situation, is all I'll say, uh, with a female, and he smartly pulled himself out of it. I didn't even need to help. I didn't even need a guide. Um, he pulled himself out of that. That was that was a big one. I think there was a time where I was dancing on a girl, and I, I think she didn't expect me to dance on her, and we were like kind of friends or whatever, and I got laughed off the dance floor. That wasn't fun. Um, that's one I, I remember. I remember another time where a buddy and I were working on a girl. We were just spinning game, whatever. And it, I, I don't know what happened, but we both were pretty drunk. We get home and we're, or well, we had Buzzies first. Shout out to Buzzies, which had the stripper sandwich, which I saw on <laughs> Bar Rescue. Now I'm going off the rails here. But that Bar Rescue, they were like, couldn't call something a stripper sandwich. I'm like, you obviously have been to Buzzies and had their chicken strip sandwich. It's fucking delicious. Uh, but anyways, uh, I kind of got into it with said buddy um, heading home because we lived together. And he punched me in the face. And I was over a girl, which, you know, whatever. I, I wasn't happy with it at the time. Might have called him a monster. Um, and then by, like, the next day, it was, it was all good. It was copacetic. But yes, um, that Browhouse, man, a lot of, lot of memories there. Oh, another good one was there was like a, a they would do a theme parties every now and again. Uh, and my buddy Eric wrote my buddy Mike's phone number on every on everybody's shirt. Like he was like, Eric, like everyone would put their phone numbers there. And he just, it's, he, instead of it being Eric's number, he put Mike's number, which was a good troll. Uh, that was enjoyable. Gosh, I can't remember. Trying to think of anything else. It, that place, man, was it, it's it's hard to describe, but it's I think everybody has it, and that was my judges. And it wasn't as it, the only thing I'll say about it, it wasn't an underage bar. And if I'd have to go underage bar, that's the pickle. But the pickle, I have too much respect for the pickle to call it judges. Um, that just not going to do that. Can't can't do it. It's still alive. It's still standing. Uh, people didn't want to go in there. Uh, when we were up there in May, which I, was the right move. It was the right call. Um, we went to Sheenan's, which hadn't changed in 12 or 13 fucking years. I, I could not believe it. But I have to get back to Eau Claire and do... I don't, I don't know. I'm too old now. Now I'm probably too old to be at the pickle. Like, for a wedding, it's acceptable because we're all wedding stuff. It's, 
You know, it's not it's not what it would be if you're just there, you know, hanging out or there for. I guess if you're there for homecoming, that's really it. But even that feels feels weird at this point. Anyways, gonna ride out. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Like I said, post game show with Mitch and I. We have a topic if the Bucks win. We have a topic if the Bucks lose. We're all set, ready to go. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Packers and this function going on. And who knows? Maybe maybe a little World Series. Could this have been the Brewers? Um, and why I'm starting to get pissed off at the Phillies. That's a tease there. Um, and, yeah, anything else that, that comes up. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.